Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. This is our last Sunday in this series, Faith Over Fear, and I hope it's one that's challenged you, encouraged you along the way, that as you have, have looked at your faith, that, that you recognize that in those moments of fear, you've, you uh, can overcome those fears. So, how, how many enjoy flying? Show of hands. We've got a few. Uh, how many enjoy flying? Uh, I've, I've lost something, and I'm sitting here trying to find it. Let's just give me a second go through all my pockets and I don't have it so uh, that means you're up there you go um, oh there it is you know it's the kind of thing you got to put someplace where you know where it's at uh, so how many enjoy flying show of hands again okay um, I, I'm not one how many dislike flying anybody just dislike flying okay we got yeah, I saw that hand well, me uh, I saw that hand so I'm not one if you are afraid of flying you need to go on an airplane with just, just going to tell you up front. Um, if I know that you have a fear of flying and uh, we're friends or we've struck up a conversation in line or we're sitting next to each other and we, we've become uh, somewhat friendly, I, I'm probably not the person you want to sit next to. Because for those of you who don't know, when the plane takes off, you know, we get up in the air. There is this moment when the wheels, when the pilot hits the button and the wheels come up into the cabin. And when it does, it makes this loud clank. If I know you're afraid of flying and we're friends, that's when I go, oh my gosh, what just happened? And it's always funny to see what the person does. Um, you know, because it just gets, yeah, I stir that pot. So it just gets... It, it just, people just get nervous. And sometimes I, unfortunately, if I, typically when I do that, I don't tell people I'm a pastor because that just doesn't seem like pastoral kind of uh, actions. But it, 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 I just enjoy that. Well, one of the things I've learned in flying is m most people have this fear of turbulence. And, and turbulence is one of those things that, that happens all the time with, with airplanes. Uh, you're gonna flying, and you, you've got this moment in which turbulence takes place. It's it 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 it's this moment in which the plane and the wind just kind of don't. They do this dance, and turbulence as that happens. Uh, come to find out, most people in their fear of flying struggle with turbulence. And I've been on some planes that have had some difficult turbulence. Well, Patrick Smith, and this is a picture of him. He was on CNN. He, he has flown 757s. He's flown 767s. He, he's just kind of been one of these guys who've flown a lot of airplanes. And now he does, does this uh, ask the pilot kind of questions. And then in tragedies like this one, he, he speaks on, on those behalfs. Well, he, he did an article or was interviewed by an article that was in USA Today about turbulence. And he said, you know, that's one of, the, one of people's greatest fears is when you're in a plane and turbulence begins to happen. 
And pilots understand that. They understand that turbulence make people nervous, but the truth of the matter is turbulence is just nothing. I mean, the plane's never going to fall out of the sky because of turbulence. Uh, the wings aren't going to come off the plane because of turbulence. There's no chance of the, the engine just stopping because of turbulence and the plane come falling to the ground. Turbulence, in, from a pilot's perspective, is just a nuance for passengers. Because passengers begin to feel the up, the down, the, all the motions, and it makes people fearful. When the truth of the matter is, turbulence is nothing that can harm you, nothing that can do damage to you. It's just part of flying. In fact, Patrick Smith said in the article, you know, most people think when turbulence is coming on, they're fearing uh, the pilots are in the, in the cockpit white knuckle in the plane trying to trying to navigate it he said that's as far from the truth as it can be we're typically up there drinking our orange juice talking about our morning and not even thinking about the turbulence other than what the inconvenience is for people but you know it's interesting how people think we get in our mind that that turbulence could is this fear that's that we're going to die when really there's, from turbulence standpoint, there's no fear of a turbulence bringing a plane down. And what we've done as people who fly has created our minds, got ourselves in this fear mode over something that really can't happen and not going to happen, but we worked ourselves up. Well, as I think about that, and I think about this last message in our faith over fear, sometimes I think we work ourselves up in fears that, that we should never work ourselves up over. Because the truth of the matter is, God's got it all under control. There's nothing about that fear that's going to harm us, is going to do us any damage, because we are God's children, we are in God's hands. Therefore, there is nothing outside of what God wants that can happen to us. When we talk about faith over fear, when we have faith in God who is greater than anything we can imagine, then why is there fear? This morning I want you to catch this idea. Jesus' authority over the wind and the sea reveal his identity as God and the one in whom we place our faith. When I catch that, Jesus' authority over the wind and the sea reveal his identity as God and the one in whom we place our faith. This morning we're going to look at Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to just up front tell you this, this text has been misunderstood by many people. Many people will read this text and immediately they jump and, and will say, Jesus can see you through the storm. And there is no doubt, Scripture teaches that Jesus can see us through storms, that Jesus is, is, can walk with us in the storm. There, there are texts that point this out. But this text reminds us that Jesus is greater than the storm. That he is the one who controls the storm. He is mightier than the storm. And sometimes we lose sight of how great God is because we're so fixed on the storm and thinking how God's going to lead us through the storm when we need to realize God's greater than the storm. 
So if you have your Bible and you're at Mark chapter 4, would you stand with me as we read God's holy word, beginning in verse 35 of Mark chapter 4. It says, On that day when the evening had come, Jesus told them, Let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. And other boats were with him. As a great windstorm arose, the waves were breaking over the boat. So that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are going to die? Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified, asking one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. You may be seated. This whole text is, is a reminder of God's great authority. That he's greater than anything in this world. The sea listens, the wind listens all to the authority of God. Jesus being God in the flesh, we, we see that being played out. We, we see Jesus' humanity in this text in the sense that when he gets into the boat, where does Jesus go? He goes to sleep on a cushion. And we, we see his humanity, but we see his, his divinity in this moment because he gets up and he rebukes. And both the, the wind and the waves listen. So this morning, I'm, I want us talking about faith in God. What, what does that look like? Because if we have faith in God, our fears need to be no more. Oh, that doesn't mean there's not moments of struggle, moments of wrestling. But when we stop and think about it and our faith in God, we, we quickly have this sense that there is one we, we have a relationship with as Christians and brothers and sisters in Christ. There is this one who is greater than anything we face. So let's unpack this text. Let me, let me share uh, a few things with you this morning, what we learned about this text. First thing is God is at work every day in our lives. God is at work every day in our lives. I want you to notice as we look at this text, this text kind of echoes that of Jonah. Uh, in fact, Jesus is the modern-day Jonah in many ways. Jesus has come to proclaim. Jonah was to go proclaim. Uh, Jesus has been on a ship. Jonah got on a ship, but he was running from God. Uh, Jonah gets in the belly of the large fish for how long? Three days. How long is Jesus in the grave? So you can see the parallels there. There's this, there's this moment. And it's interesting while Jesus uh, is asleep on the cushion and Jonah is asleep, both, both men, and we'll talk about that in a moment, the fishermen are all fearful. These are men who make their living on these waters. They make their living 
doing these things. These are seasoned sailors, people who should, should understand what the sea is like. In fact, a few years ago, uh, when I was in, uh, was in Israel, I stayed outside of the Sea of Galilee. In fact, from where I'm standing to, to South Green Street was the Sea of Galilee. I stayed there two nights. On the second night, there, there arose this large uh, wind storm. And I couldn't help but to lay in my bed and think about how much wind was going on and I thought of this text of Jesus being on that boat and 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 sailors being on that boat I kept thinking there's no way I want to be out there at that moment but these were these were men who spent their life that was their livelihood is to be out there but I need you to notice one other piece of the puzzle look at verse 35 it says, on that day when evening had come, he, being Jesus, told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. Did you catch that? Who puts them in the midst of the storm? Let me just do that again. I know you got a mask on, but you can say that a little louder. Who puts them in the midst of the storm? Yeah. Show of hands, how many, bring, how, many, how many of that brings comfort to you knowing that Jesus is going to put you in a storm? Yeah. I mean, there are moments when Jesus puts us in the middle of storms. This is just like the, the moment when Jesus hears that Lazarus, his good friend, is about to die. Come quickly. And what does Jesus do? He waits three days. Why? Because Jesus needs him to die. Why? Because he needs them to go through a storm for their faith. See, the thing is, Jesus puts them in that storm. God puts you and I in storms all the time to build our faith. Now, there are other times he puts us in the storm to bring us back to him. But in this moment, it's about building faith. The thing is, God's never going to put us in a storm that he's not... In control of. My friend Michael Rice and I were talking this week. Michael said, if Jesus is big enough to rescue you from your sins, is he not big enough to rescue you from the storm? And I thought, what a powerful statement that is, because we get lost in the middle of that. We get lost not thinking. We think God is always going to be this God who is going to lead us in paths of, of, of righteousness and paths of, of peace, of paths, a path of, of, of green grass, of gold streets. But the truth of the matter is God leads us in the midst of storms at times for the sole purpose to build our faith. And the question is, Will you go through the storm to build your faith or would you rather not have faith and know God and live life on your own? Faith over fear recognizes in the midst of the storm, God's still at work. God is teaching, God is leading. Second thing we find from this text is when we lose faith, we panic. When we lose faith, we panic. Panic is one of those fears that just that 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 causes us just to to come unglued, right? 
I mean, anybody, if you've ever panicked for the least amount of time, you understand that panic causes you to do things you shouldn't do. If you've panicked behind the wheel, sometimes in accident reconstruction, people, they know that people, when they panic, rather than hitting the brake, they hit the accelerator. Well, what does that do to a car in, in close quarters in problems? It, it, it creates a bigger accident. Uh, people who, who, who are claustrophobic and they panic and they get into too tight of a spot, what, what tends to happen is sometimes they, they do bodily harm because they're trying to get loose. Um, I, I've, you've, you've heard me tell you, I, me and the dentist get along like, well, I don't know like what, but no, we don't get along kind of thing. And one time I had a dentist who, who put this... this um, this clamp on a tooth and put this big mask on top of me and said, this will make you not choke. I promise, Ernie, this, will be, this is the best thing. will save you so much time and headache. And so he said, now when I put this on, you can't do anything. You, you got to leave it on there. About two minutes in, I panic. And I'm, I'm swinging arms. Get, get, I'm about to rip that. And he's like, don't rip that off. And I'm like, something's about to give. You know, and, and Why? Because I had panicked and I began to lose control. I, I wasn't thinking correctly. That's what happens. Notice the text. It says, when he was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion, they woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care that we are going to die? So here's the thing. They, they get to this moment and they are struggling in their in their faith these seasoned men who know better are struggling don't you care that we are about to die and they are wrestling with that idea and they panic and they go get Jesus awake and rather than rather than understanding he loves them that he's going to take care of him what they do is begin to question him How, Aren't you paying attention? Don't you love us? Don't you know we're suffering here? When the truth of the matter is, was there ever a moment Jesus ever, ever put them in harm? Ever led them astray? Ever caused them to doubt his love? And yet in that moment when panic set in, they went a different direction. You, we do that too. I wish, I, I wish that wasn't the truth because these are disciples, men who've walked with Jesus, who've seen him do miracles, seen him do things that nobody understood, and yet they panicked. For you and I, we've got the whole story, don't we? We've got Genesis to Revelation. We know how the story ends, right? We know what happens. We know from that moment what else is going to take place, that Jesus is going to a cross, and that th three days later, what's he going to do? He's going to rise. We know the story. We know how it ends. So why do we panic? I'm ashamed of the moments when I panic. I'm ashamed of the times when I think about the lack of faith I have in God when difficulties set in. 
But God is a loving God. Spurgeon said it this way. God is too wise to err, too good to be unkind. Leave off doubting him and begin to trust him, for in doing so you will put a crown on his head. Are you putting a crown on God's head or are you taking it off? Are we trusting God and going, you are a God worthy of all? You are a God who's in control. Or are we taking that crown off and going, I just don't believe you're a God who has it under control. Faith, not fear. Third thing we see in this text is Jesus, Jesus being God has authority over nature. He has authority over nature. What's interesting is when the disciples wake him up, he gets up and he, he has no rebuke of them. He doesn't, he doesn't, why are you waking me up? He's not fussing at them. He's not doing anything. He gets up and look at verse 39. He says, he got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, be silent, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Silence. Be still. Don't you wish you could do that? In the midst of a storm, don't you think, don't you wish you could just stand outside and go, silence, be still? But aren't you glad you know a God who can? A God who is able to take that storm and quiet it. Oh, you may think, I wish God would do that all the time, but then where would your faith be? For you see, we hear stories of people who come out of these moments and their lives are forever changed. A friend of mine serves at a church the church had just struggled to, to meet the needs of the community. They had, turned them, they had turned all of their focus inward, not outward. He hadn't been there a couple years when a tornado comes through town and destroys the town, lots of things. And you go, well, what, what, what good can come from that? But from that pastor's perspective, the church woke up and realized they had the answer people needed. They had the abilities to go love on people and help people. And it, that storm gave that church the opportunity to change the lives of so many people that they, they would not have otherwise done. You see, in their own mind, they were comfortable sitting in their church week after week. They had forgotten what it meant to love their neighbor. The storm gave them that opportunity. It grew their faith. When the storm in your life comes, maybe you face a personal storm, do you look at it as, oh, woe is me, or do you look at it and go, God, what are you going to teach me? in the midst of the storm. Because here's the thing, God can use every storm for his glory. Every storm 
to bring his glory. COVID-19 didn't catch God off guard. And it can be used for his glory. The question is, do we stop and think about that? Are we looking for opportunities? Are we looking for opportunities to bring God's glory? For see, God is bigger and has authority over the nature. Uh, fourth thing we see in this text. Trials come for the benefit of our faith. We've been talking about that. We've been talking about how this trial comes for our faith. Now, the text says, And then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? If you are in the boat, how many of you, when you see Jesus do that, go, I'm with him. And we want to all think that the moment that happens, our faith gets so strong that we never are going to doubt him again. But do you realize, if you follow the scripture, if you follow the gospels, there are a number of other times when the disciples doubt Jesus. I mean, think about it. They experience Jesus feeding the 5,000. They see Jesus bring people back to life. They see Jesus stand on a boat and say, silence, be still. And all of creation listens. Many of us go, well, you know, if I was there, I'd have had faith at that moment. Listen. Peter, my favorite disciple. Outspoken. Peter, Peter, Peter's one that never tests the water before he jumps in. You know? It, Peter's the guy at the pool and everybody going, I don't know if I want to get in. It may be cool. Cold. Peter just runs and jumps in. Peter says, I'll never forsake you. I'll go to my death. And what do we read about Peter? He not denies him once, he denies him three times. Trials come for the benefit of our faith. And the, the reality is, it's a building of our faith. It's not one of these moments when you experience this mountaintop experience and your life has changed forever and you never, never go back. The problem with being on the mountain is you always come back down. For years, we led student ministry retreats, and we would talk about how great this moment is. But guess what? Monday's coming. When you go back to school, go back to work, your mountaintop experience that you experienced in a revival, Monday comes. Life goes back. Everybody else you, you're going to encounter was not on the mountain with you, just you. And so what happens is you get caught back up into the daily grind. And what happens to our faith, we, we're not careful, we, we get caught in the daily grind, forgetting and losing sight of God. Then another trial comes, and we, and we begin to think the trial is because we're not being good enough. No, the trial comes because we need to build up our faith. These guys hung out with Jesus on a regular basis. They walked with him, ate with him, slept with him, did all sorts of things, watched all sorts of things, and yet they struggled at times. 
hear me, we all have to go through trials. They're for our benefit so that we grow stronger. So the last thing I want you to catch this morning is this. We must settle the issue of who is Jesus. That issue's got to be settled. Because if you don't settle that issue, you're going to be in this tug of war the rest of your life. What do I do? What do I believe? Who do I trust? What, look what happens. Mark 41 says, And they were, being the disciples, they were, were terrified, asking one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the seas obey him. Who is this? Even the wind and the seas obey him. Do you know who Jesus is? Have you come to a place in your life that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you know that you know that you know who Jesus is? Do you have it under control that you know that Jesus is Lord of your life? Do you realize that when storms of life come your way, there is no fear because there is faith knowing that God is greater than anything you face? Do you have that? Are you walking by faith in that light? Are you trusting in God? Or are you or are you living by fear? April in 2019, there was this um, lady in Washington County, uh, Oregon. She comes home uh, from being out during the day. As she comes home, she walks into her house and she begins to realize there's, there's noise coming from a room. Not recognizing the noise and thinking somebody has gotten into her house, she begins to to panic, and so she she goes outside. She dials nine one one, just what she's supposed to do. Tells dispatch, I believe somebody's in my house. I've just come home. Dispatch dispatches officers, and they arrive on scene. Sure enough, when the officers get in the house, they hear what's happening they begin to bark orders and and nobody will reply back they see the shadow under the door they know something is going on they keep barking orders and still no response the canine unit is close and so the canine unit comes in and we think let's bring the canine unit in they'll bark and trust me when you hear that canine unit bark you get nervous and the canine is barking and still Still nothing. After several minutes of, of this, finally they decide we got to go through the door. So they do. When they open the door, it's to a bathroom, and inside the bathroom is the ladies' Roomba running back and forth. Running back and forth. Her vacuum is just moving. She didn't realize it was on. Didn't realize it had been locked itself in the bathroom. Brian Rogers, the deputy sheriff of the Warren County Sheriff's Department, said, we did not apprehend the suspect, but we do believe it will have a lifetime of service of cleaning. 
But you know, I, I, I read that story and I got tickled how all that commotion, all that fear over a Roomba vacuum. How much fear is in your heart? How much commotion are you generating for your fear? How much how much are you at pain because you're afraid of what's happening next? Can I just remind you God is greater than anything you're facing? Greater than anything any doctor will ever tell you. Greater than any uh, weather person will tell you coming from a storm. Greater than any disease that will ever affect our country or the world. God is greater. So where is your trust? Where's your faith? Is it faith in a God who's greater or faith not so great? Today I hope that if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you you start there because there's no faith in God apart from recognizing who Jesus is. That Jesus is the Son of God sent in the human form, was sinless, lived a perfect life, came to reveal God's love, went to a cross for your sins and for my sins, took on the, the sins of the world, nailed, publicly humiliated, whipped, beaten, so that you and I can have eternal life, that we can experience the greatest gift mankind had ever experienced. But he didn't stay on a cross, they put him in another man's tomb. The world thought they had won, but three days later, the tomb was empty. For Jesus had risen from the grave. That's who Jesus is. Greater than anything this world can throw at him. If you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today would you admit you need Jesus? Would you believe in your heart that he is who scriptures proclaim him to be? Would you choose to follow him? If you're here today and you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe Maybe today is a day in which you need to bow your head and confess to God that you live in fear more than faith. And let's be honest, it's okay. The disciples have had moments of fear. But here's the, here's the reality for the disciples and what you and I need to do. We need to acknowledge that fear and turn to Jesus. Because when we look at Peter, Peter denied him three times, but there was a moment when he had that encounter with Jesus and, and asked Jesus, had that conversation, and, and Jesus says, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus put him back and says, then go do the ministry I've called you to do. Same with you and I. Moments of fear need to be hit and said, but I trust you, God. So today, if that's your heart, if that's your prayer, would you pray with me this morning?